So we're here today to talk about the newness wearing off between the new siblings and ourselves. And I have no idea what I'm going to call the episode. Do you have any idea what a good title would be? I don't know. I liked um, Leanne, uh, is it Hay? That she she called it the uh, Christmas puppy syndrome of MPEs. And that is exactly how it feels. Yeah. So I think that's a I think that's a good title. <laughs> it resonates, doesn't it? My name is Don Anderson. I'm the host of Missing Pieces, MPE Life. This is Season 2, Episode 9, The New Puppy Gets Old. That was Michelle. If you listen to Season 1, Episode 12, Finding Biofather, she was the little girl who was four where her biofather played Santa Claus for her, and she had it on tape. She'll be back in Act 2 of our show. First of all, I want to say that Biofather episode was one of my favorite episodes. Although the stats tell me it isn't one of yours. It didn't do too bad. It's in the middle. Yes, I obsess. I pour over the stats. All the time. Buzzsprout, who hosts my podcast, even tells you where the downloads are coming from. Like, did you guys know how popular the show is in Sydney, Australia? 1% of my total downloads come from there. To give you a comparison, LA, the city I live, the city where most of my friends live, like my good friend Anne Margaret, who's the newest fan of the show, she obsessed and binged them all a couple of weeks ago. Thank you, Anne Margaret. And thank you for the rating and the review on Apple Podcasts. Anybody else, please feel free to do that. But anyway, my total percentage of downloads from Los Angeles is 2%. So, who are you people down in Sydney? Are MPE Aussies? Reach out to me. Say hi. Let's do an MPE story from Australia. I'd love it. Email me at Don, N as in Nancy, P-E at iCloud.com. Or reach out to me on Instagram at NPE underscore life underscore podcast. Today's episode has two acts. Each have the same theme. What happens to the newfound siblings once the newness fades? When the love bombing stops? And I know there are many MPEs who totally get rejected from the beginning, who had no love bombing at all. And I get it. I just want to acknowledge that and let you know that I think that sucks. Hello? Hey, Jackie. Hey, Don. Act one is about Jackie. Her original story can be found on NPE Stories, episode 134, Jackie's Story. It's a great episode. If you haven't listened to it, you should. There are a couple moments in that story where Jackie talks about these amazing new siblings she's found. She shares a couple anecdotes that are actually quite touching. Lily was kind enough to give me permission to use them. This is Jackie speaking about the moment she first talked to her new sister, who she didn't know was her sister at the time. And I said, I think your grandson's either my great nephew or my cousin. I'm not really sure. And she said, well, I looked at your picture on Ancestry. And she said, I know you're ours. You are identical to our grandmother. And I think I'm your sister. 
you know, it took my breath away. And here she is talking about reaching out to her new brother for the first time. I, I can't even explain it, but it was just like this familiar, heartwarming feeling when I looked at my brother's faces. My brother Steve immediately answered me. And um, his, it's so it's something, but he said, welcome to the family. And that was just, you have no idea how special that was for me. Mm. It was just, just an amazing feeling to be wanted because I was so afraid that whoever I contacted would, would not want me in their lives. And here she's telling Lily about her new sister, Mary, coming to visit her for the very first time. It was magical. It was beautiful. I mean, I just couldn't stop hugging her. And we spent the whole night on the couch, like two 15-year-olds going through photos. And she went to go to bed in the guest room. And I came back down. And I went in the guest room and laid down. And I said, I just want to sleep next to my sister. No. I said, we never got to do this, and I just want to sleep next to you. And she said, yes. And it, and it was just so wonderful. And this last one is her new brother writing to her original sister that she grew up with. My brother, Steve, he's very, very much like me, very sensitive and emotional. And he had sent my sister that I grew up with a message and, and I saw the message and he said, thank you for loving her before we knew we should. <laughs> Sweet. Just amazing. It still chokes me up. Mm. You know, all three of my siblings are wonderful human beings. They have beautiful families. And I really feel very fortunate. So Jackie is three years in to finding her new siblings. She reached out to me not too long ago and told me she blocked these new siblings. You know, like on Facebook and text and stuff. So Jackie, so on your, um, our text chain on Messenger, you recently said that you blocked your new siblings. Can you tell us what led up to that? Well, it's been three years. And I would say the last six months has been a little bit more difficult for me to connect with them. Um, like when it first happened, we talked, each of us talked to each other at least once or twice a day. It was like this amazing discovery, you know, like, like new love. I don't, I don't know how else to, to put it. Um, and things were great. And then about six months ago, everybody kind of started dropping off the radar. And I would text my brothers and they would text me right back. Oh, sorry, we're just really busy. Oh, sorry, you know, I, I had this commitment. We'll, we'll catch up soon. I'll call you soon. And then they don't. So tell so you have two brothers and a sister that you gained through this finding out, right? Yeah. So there's Steve, Russell and Mary. At first, I, I would say uh, to my wife, Lisa, I would say, is it is it me? Maybe I, I'm expecting too much. Maybe I want too much. 
Um, and she's like, no, you know, they really, they really should try to be in more, you know, in touch more. Um, but like I said, it just, it started taking a nosedive. And I'd say in the last two months, it has been like radio silence, like nothing. Um, and I got to tell you, emotionally, it, it's such a roller coaster to have these people want you so badly in their lives and then to drop off. And I, I kept thinking, what did I do wrong? Um, and, you know, everyone around me, they're, they're like, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't push. Everything's okay. I started to kind of feel like something was wrong with me. Um, and I started getting really kind of down about it, like depressed about it. Hmm. And I started feeling like it didn't bring me joy anymore. And I'm at an age where I need things to bring me joy to continue on with them, if that makes any sense. I mean, I know you may not have a way of knowing this, but do you think that they contact each other more than they contact you? No, this is this is the kind of wild thing about the whole situation. When I found them, they hadn't spoken to each other in over 20 years. Hmm. So uh, they're 65, 62, and 59. Um, they were not in contact at all. They didn't even know where the other one lived. They had no clue. And so when I found them and got in touch with everybody we all got like they got back together and everybody's like oh my god this is great we're all you know we lost touch and we can't have this happen and everybody got back together and so they kept saying oh you know you're meant to be blah 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 you know but as it turns out that the same thing happened um they stopped talking to each other again so i don't know but I think that's pretty telling, to be honest with you, about the um, that they don't talk to each other. I mean, if I were in your shoes, I think maybe I would think not take it personal. Yeah. I, you know, I'm an extremely sensitive person. And a lot of people say that's a fault. And a lot of times I say it works for me. Sometimes it works against me. In this instance, it's obviously not working for me. Um there's, I don't even know where to start, Don. There's so many little things that I've, I've discovered about my sister Mary, the new sister Mary. Um, she would call me and say, oh, my God, I'm going to lose my house. I, I need money. Um, I'm, I, we're we're going to lose everything. And I'm taking care of my grandchildren, and I need help. And I'd be like, no, Mary, I'll do what I can. But I'm not wealthy and you know i just live you know paycheck to paycheck like most people um and she go oh, don't worry about it. everything's fine and then the next phone conversation we had it would always be video chats she'd be showing me the new things they bought oh we just bought this uh, new stereo and we just and and i'm like you know i'm rolling my eyes i'm thinking wait a minute and so not long after that she called me and said I have liver disease and the doctor says I'm not going to live. I've got like three or four months. And so I was devastated because I was absolutely over the top. So happy to have her in my life. It was just like having another sister. I was just thrilled. And three and four months go by and she's in a hospital bed in her house. And four months goes by and I said, you must be doing better. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, a couple weeks after that, she video chats me and she's in the kitchen cooking. The hospital bed's gone and she looks fine. 
I said, what's the doctor say? Oh, he says I'm, I'm fine now. And I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, what the hell? I mean, I just spent three or four months, honestly, Don, I was crying myself to sleep at night, sick over it. And I just, I, I just don't know what to make of it. It's like always like one drama after another. And they kind of presented themselves a little bit differently in the beginning. Well, I think it's kind of like dating in a way, right? Like you you always put your best foot forward when you first meet someone. I, I do. I do. And I think it's so funny that you said that to me because I actually said to my best friend the other night, I feel like I just broke up with someone. That's exactly how I feel. Like if a song comes on that reminds me of them, I have to turn it off. Uh, I took all the pictures that they had sent me and put them away. I couldn't even look at them. So tell me about what led up to blocking. So we're pretty, we were pretty much all corresponding on holidays and birthdays and, and blah, blah, blah. And my birthday was this past Saturday. And um, the two sisters I grew up with text me or called me. And, and texts mean just as much to me as phone calls. I'm not like, you know, texts are great. Everybody's texting and calling. And I, I didn't hear anything from Mary, Russell, or Steve. And I, I couldn't sleep. I was like, what? you know, what? I just can't figure out what's going on. Why are they being like this? So I, I sent them, you know, probably not a good idea, but I sent them some emails and said, I don't understand why you you couldn't even text me. Happy birthday. You knew it was my birthday. I text you. I call you for yours. You know, it would have taken two seconds. And Russell immediately sent me a te or email back and said that I was a selfish person and I was having a pity party and he's had a hard life and how dare I speak to him like this. And he said, I love you. Take it or leave it. Your decision. Um, and I, I might have deserved some of that. I'm not, I'm not going to say I didn't. Do you feel comfortable reading the email you sent them? Do you have it handy? I don't have it handy. I don't have it handy. It, it was absolutely just what I said, though. I was to, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> I got to the point really quickly. And uh, so his. It's unfortunate, like, email and text have no tone, and so many times they get misconstrued. But it sounds like he didn't misconstrue it. You didn't compliment sandwich it. <laughs> no. No. And, and, his, and his reply was all in capitals with a gazillion exclamation points and, you know, which, whatever. I, you know, like I said, I probably deserved a little bit of that. I probably should have just slept on it and realized I was being, I probably was having a, a self-pity party, but there was a lot of emotion involved. There's a lot of, of feelings involved. And unfortunately, I let them out. <laughs> um, Steve, Steve pretty much sent me a text and said um, that I was being childish. And like just one word text, you're, or, you know, three word, you're being childish. And then Steve's wife, Pam, sent a long text 
about how Steve's not responsible for my happiness. And, you know, he's never had close siblings. He's not sure how to act with you. And it was like, and I, and I really wanted, I was going to text her back and I'm like, I wanted to say to her, can I curse on here? Is that all right? Yeah. I want to say, who the fuck do you think you are? Like every time I call him, she says it has to be on speaker. I have to hear everything. And he can only call you when I'm around. And I pretty much read all the emails. And one day he calls me and he goes, I go, hey, what's what's up? I'm not on speaker. He goes, oh, Pam went out and took a walk. I figured I'd call you. And I'm like, what am I, a dirty little secret? Like, you can't talk to me? And then how did your Mary number two take? Did she respond to your birthday email? No, she, so the few times that we've had a little bit of a disagreement, and I think there's like been two times. And one time when she thought she, when she told me she was losing her home, my, my brothers and I got together and my, my brother Russell is a pastor and he, like fixes home, fix, does fixer uppers and sells and whatever. And he said, I have an extra house that I rent. It's open. Mary can come up here and live at my house. We don't want her out in the street. So I called her and I said, listen, it's up to you. Just think about it. But if, if you should really need somewhere to go, you could always come back up to New Jersey and stay there until you figure out what to do. And uh, she laid into me like nobody's business. I mean, who the fuck do you think you are? This is my life. I would never move back to Scumhole, New Jersey. And I'm like, Mary, that's where I grew up. And I think New Jersey is a great place. And like, she just like went off and was so pissed and hung up. And then the next day she called me and, hi, sissy, how are you? How's your day? I'm like, wait, wait a minute. Oh yeah, I, I completely, everybody's blocked and well, let me let me retract that statement. I did block them. Um, I unblocked Steve. I know this is so mature and forgive me, but it's it's just, you know, I unblocked Steve because he did send me and I do have it. And if I can find it, I will read it to you. He did send me a message. I did save it, actually, because I know you like when people have these things handy. OK, so after I had blocked them, he sent me a text. And it said, and this is from Steve, I just got home and wanted to finish my thoughts. I really don't know how to have a close sibling relationship, but I would like to. If you want to, I would like another chance. I will make mistakes, but it doesn't mean I'm not thinking about you. The thing is, you don't ever need to apologize. That is one of the benefits of being siblings. I love you and I always will. And you can call me out whenever I screw up. I hope, I hope this makes you feel better. So that was his message to me. So how did you feel about getting that text? It's so up and down, Don. It's so like, like, I wanted to, like, that. I read that and I was like, oh, this is great. And that made me so happy. And then I thought, calm down. You know, you're forgetting about everything else that just happened. And just relax. Don't answer back. Just take a breather. And, um, you know, this whole NPE thing is quite the roller coaster. I mean, seriously. And I, I don't think I've ever gone through something like 
this difficult in my entire life with the extreme highs and lows. And so when I got that text, it was like a high. And then five minutes later, I'm like, ugh. You know, I was back down, you know, at that low point going, what the heck? I'm such an addictive personality that that beginning, that rush, calling each other all fucking day. And like, I wanted that to last forever. Yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. That was a pretty amazing time. So have you responded to Steve yet? No, I, I kind of wanted to give myself a little bit of time not to be so emotional. And, you know, I was going to ask my wife to kind of help me word, word it correctly. I mean, I, I do want to be in his life. Maybe, maybe now that I know how things are, I, I, I can understand that it's not going to be like I want it. Mm-hmm. It's just not. Um, but to know he's there is nice. And if I need him, I can call. As far as Russ and Mary go, I, I really am done. I'm completely done. I can't do it anymore. And that's, it's just because for me, it brings me, it brings me no joy. And if I don't have joy, I can't do it. I'm selfish. I'm being selfish, but at 58 years of age, I'm entitled to be selfish now. You know, I I think I've had enough and I've been I've had enough turmoil and chaos in my lifetime with my mother my my mother I grew up with. I just I just can't do it anymore. I just want to be happy. Missing pieces will be right back after this break. There are going to be people who say that we MPEs are too sensitive. And you know what I have to say about that? No shit. <laughs> yes, we're sensitive. You're damn right we are. You try waking up in middle age and finding out your dad isn't your dad. That you aren't who you thought you were. That you were no longer Norwegian or no longer black or Jewish or the opposite of all those. We find out that we've been lied to our whole lives or that we have no full siblings whatsoever that there's a good chance we're going to wind up not fitting into either family. You wake up one day with this trauma that rocks your world and creates this MPE-sized hole in your gut. And for some of us, the only thing that can fill that hole is this new family. And in a lot of cases, those people don't want anything to do with us at all. So yeah, we're a little sensitive. Welcome to Act 2. Act 2 is... Michelle's journey with her new siblings. She's seven years in. Here's Michelle. And this clip is from that episode I mentioned earlier, Finding Biofather. She's talking about her new sister and what she did for Michelle on the first birthday Michelle had since they'd met. She sent me for 45 days before my birthday. She sent me a happy first birthday. She told me where she was at the time and what was happening. Happy second birthday, the next day, and on to, and then she, when it got to, like, whatever year she was married, she, then she started signing the cards um, from Laura and Mike. Then the next, you know, when Amber was born, then she saw it from Laura, Mike, and Amber. 
And every one of them, she told me where she, where they were, what was happening at that time. For 45 days to catch up on all the birthday cards she didn't get to send me my whole life. Wow. Is that not amazing? That's so thoughtful and just... Incredible, wow. I know. It's just incredible is the only way to describe it, yeah. It it, it really is. It, and she just... Yes. So tell me what it's like now and when did you first notice the change? Let me elaborate from there. So in addition to the cards that she sent me, um, she also made a post on Facebook every one of those days as well. And at the time I was like, I didn't even respond to most of them because it, it felt a little icky to me, but I didn't. I didn't give it much thought. And after spending all of my life wanting that connection and wanting big family and all of those things that she was offering me, just like you do in a regular relate, like in a romantic relationship, you kind of ignore red flags. In the beginning, you you just take all of the love bombing and the wonderfulness, all the good stuff, and kind of just ignore and push to the side anything that doesn't fit what you're looking for. Um, and you know, and then years down the road, you're like, "Wow, how did I even end up here with this person?" Because oh my gosh, like we have nothing in common. Those kind of things. So anyway, so that was one of those things that made me feel icky, but also I ignored. Um, and so real quickly, just say how many new siblings you acquired. An older brother, an older sister, and a younger brother. And the sister is the one who uh, got the ball rolling. She told everybody. She's the one that was calling me all the time. Like, um, I got a new puppy um, during, like, maybe a year or less after her and I started um, talking and getting to know each other. She she wanted to be on FaceTime with me when I introduced the new puppy to my other dog. And she's like, what well, I was moving at the time and she'd FaceTime me while I was packing my clothes, you know, going through things and packing and doing all the things. Like she just wanted to be a part of everything. And I was eating it up. Like I loved all of that. Um, but then, and so I started the first time I went home to Arizona, which is where my mom and my dad live. And most of these siblings, not all of them, but most of them. Um, the first time I went home, uh, my dad was like, hey, if you feel comfortable, you can stay with me. Laura, my new sister, she was like, hey, if you feel comfortable, you can stay with me. She lives in, in Tucson. My dad lives in service. I spend most of my time in service so I did a little bit of both. I stayed with her a little bit, stayed with him a little bit. And that just became the thing. Um, when I went home, I just stayed there. It was convenient for me and it was a good time to spend quality time getting to know them. Well, over the years, and it's been like seven years now, over the years, it got a little more uncomfortable. Um, uncomfortable she, how? just like little things like one time 
when I was there, I accidentally um, left a door unlocked. And she d wouldn't let it go. Like, she wasn't hateful about it, but also was, like, real snarky about it. And I, I was like, okay, that's just who she is, how she is. And, and I've seen her maybe talk to some other people that way. But it seemed a little disproportionate for the situation. Um, another time I had done something with the suitcase, I misunderstood what she had said about it. Again, disproportionate for the situation. I, you know, just little things that I let go. Um, I started noticing that when I was making plans to go home, I would let everybody know. I would either do a group text or I would make a Facebook post um, asking everybody, you know, like, let me know when you want to see me and where where we can meet or what you want to do. Um, I'm going to be home for these dates, these dates. And I got less and less response, less and less. Uh, was it the last trip or the trip before last? I go home about twice a year. So sometimes they mix together. But um, I think it was obviously one of the trips last year. Um, I, had, I had let everybody know, when do you want to see me? Whatever, heard nothing. And then the day I arrived, and, I'm already in. And who, who are you planning on staying with? Did you... Set I was up. still planning, yeah. So I was still planning to stay at my dad's house in Servista. Yeah. So this is relevant. So I, I, I come into town in Tucson. My son was living in Tucson at the time, so I stopped to see him first. And um, I planned because it was early enough. I was just going to go to Servista that night, which is about eighty miles away. Um, and I get a message that night or that afternoon from my younger brother, Eric, um, and my older brother, Lyle, was already in town, and I thought he was in service with my dad. And they, they messaged me the day of and say, oh, hey, you wanna come here tonight and spend the night? And I was like, okay, first of all, you've had months. I've tried to plan my entire trip and you've had months to let me know about this. But what had really happened was, is my dad and my older brother Lyle had come to Tucson and they were spending the night. And so basically I had nowhere to stay and they felt guilty because like dad and Lyle were like, Hey, uh, are we going to call Michelle? And so Eric and Laura were like, yeah, I guess so. Is exactly like wait wait I, wait. I, so is that you thinking that's the conversation, or do you have? I, I'm not exactly that. That's what I was I, I was getting to. Like this is me putting the pieces together. Like obviously I didn't hear the conversation, but that is exactly how it feels. And I recognize that some of it is my emotions creating this, but also I now have. Like, I'm usually a very intuitive person when it comes to other situations. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until these last couple of things that genuinely put it all together for me. That, that you know, sometimes when one thing happens, you um, things that you didn't suspect before, then all of a sudden it's like all the pieces come together and you see the full puzzle. Um, that's kind of how this is felt.
so anyway, so that was that trip. Um, also, Laura has said multiple things to me, just little nitpicky things. Um, she said, um, we were sitting outside uh, talking, and she says uh, something to the effect, and this is obviously paraphrasing, but basically she said, well, I'm still really angry at your mom and dad and my mom and everybody else that knew and didn't tell us because now we're stuck trying to make a relationship and we don't have that bond to help when basically when you get on my nerves like she didn't say exactly get on my nerves but when i get irritated or something like something to that effect i don't remember her exact words but it was super hurtful <laughs> it was basically you know you've heard like my mom used to say something like i love you but i don't like you and what that sounded like to me was i don't like you and i don't love you <laughs> it's like that was basically what that sounded like to me and i don't know how i could have interpreted otherwise well let me tell you let me tell you a story so i don't know if i'll put this in the podcast but that's fine so at the encouragement at least one of my new sisters i wrote a short story about what may have happened the night our parents got together, right? My mom mm -hmm. and their dad, well, our dad. But, um, and so, you know, six months went by, I didn't write it, and then finally I wrote it, and then I shared it to this group chat that we have with me and the four of them. And and I thought it was romantic and not like sexual or anything like that. So one of my sisters wrote in the group chat, sorry, Don. I just can't read the story about when Bob Blair met your mom. It isn't a visual I want in my head. So when I heard that, what I heard was, Don, I wish you didn't exist. See, that's what I mean about the sensitive thing. Everybody that I've showed this to or said what she said to me have all said the same thing, that... She didn't mean that, Don. She meant she didn't want to visualize her dad having sex like none of us do. But I swear to God, at the moment and for weeks after, months after, I felt like she said, Don, I wish you never existed. So anyway, I guess what I'm saying to that is... Maybe not. Maybe she didn't, you know, but, she didn't right. mean what you think she meant. But, Fair enough. Yeah. However, if you <laughs> However. add in... <laughs> If you add in, and, and I agree with everybody else, I, that I think she, what she was referring to is maybe the, the cheating that happened. Well, he wasn't married at the time, but. Okay. So, um, but anyway, um, yes. But if you add in all of the other little tidbits, mm, it's pretty clear what she meant. Um, okay, so let's, I get on her nerves. So let's go the other way. Did she cheat her other siblings like that? Would she say something to some to them? Does she get irritated and is she short-fused with them? You betcha. Would she have said something to the effect of, I don't like you? No. Um, also, um, 
there, there, like, there's so many other clues. I was in those group, like those group chats that you talk about. I was in those in the beginning. I can't, it's probably been a year since I've gotten one of those. Um, every once in a while, my dad will do one with me in it or Lyle will do something with me in it. Once in a blue moon, Eric will send something like, well, he's on the lake fishing and somebody else is there. But they, as far as Laura and Eric go, I'm not in, like, there's another group. I'm 100% clear there's a whole nother group chat and I'm not in it. Mm. 100%. That would really, um, yeah, that would hurtful. really hurt my feelings. That's hurtful. Um, also, when, like, several years ago, my dad lives on this property that, ha- like, the house he lives in is not worth 50 cents, but the, and the property is not worth much. Um, but it it's that place up until this last year has been very therapeutic to me. It's been super healing for, you know, we all have a dad shaped hole and mine started getting filled finally at the age of 45. And a lot of that happened at this property when it was just me and my dad or me and my dad and my brother, my oldest brother. Um, and so whenever there was a discussion about what would happen to dad's place when he passes, everyone had said, I don't want it. We'll just sell it. And so my stupid self, I had been thinking it for a long time and I finally piped up one time and said, well, you know, if nobody else wants it, maybe I'll buy it because it's been, you know, kind of pivotal in my healing uh maybe six months later not very much later i was involved in a group text and they informed me that since eric is the only one that's ever lived actually lived at that place then we should all just sell our stuff to him and him and his family can have it okay so a whole nother conversation happened they don't want me to have anything that belongs to the family and they had a whole conversation and decided how they were going to go about cutting me out. And the next time I visit my dad, he actually says something to me about it and almost repeats what they said word for word because they primed him to make sure that he was on board because he knew it was crap. Like every time they do something to cut me out, I can tell that my dad is going along because he, they're his kids and he has to, but he also recognizes the inequality and hurtfulness of it. So the final thing that put the nail in the coffin for me that um, now, like, I don't even think I saw Eric the last time, the very last visit. Like I it just, it, it's just gradually gotten less and less and less where in the beginning I was going to every party. They, they literally planned my dad's birthday party around when I was going to be there in the beginning. Like in the beginning, everything was, you know, when are you and Lyle going to be here and how can we coordinate and let's do this and let's do that. All these things happened. Like they were inviting me to stuff and I was in group chats. So this last time I'm, make a post, tag everybody, let everybody know that um, I'm coming in May. And before you ask, yes, one of them responded, so I know they knew. Okay. 
not only <laughs> before you asked, yes, the worst culprit of the bunch responded, said, okay, cool. And also I had spoke to my dad multiple times on the phone and told him when I was coming and the oldest knew because him and I actually do coordinate. He's been great. Um, <laughs> so I told them I'm coming home in May, told them about what time I, or what dates I'm coming. I call my dad and I say, Hey, I got my flight booked. I'm going to be there on the 17th. And he says, Oh, okay, good. We'll be back by then. Really? Back from where? Oh, uh, we're all going to Las Vegas for Eric's birthday. Mm. Crickets. We're going to, he was like, and I just like, I, no words, just no words. And he said, well, you know, we all went for his 40th birthday. So the same people that uh, went for his 40th are going to go for his 50th. So I'm like, so there's no family now, but okay, cool. Um, so the brother that the brother that lives in um, that lives in Seattle or in Washington, he flies out of Seattle, is going to fly to Vegas and ride back with them three days before I get there. And nobody thought that maybe I might want to do the same. I mean, I was planning my whole trip. I had, you know, vacation time and was booking a flight. So you didn't think that maybe I would like to rearrange my flights and do the same thing? They didn't say a word. I'm done. That that was to Wait a me, minute. Did you say that or you just thought that? Or you just no, in my me? head. Yeah, in yeah. my head. I did not. Obviously, I didn't. Like, I, he could hear my voice that I was upset. And, of course, he did the same thing that he did the last time. He kind of repeated their words, how they justified to him why I wasn't included. And even though I could tell that he knew it was messed up. And just the fact that he said that about the 40th, that just the people there, obviously they had talked about it. Sure, sure. That was that was their justification to him because I'm sure he's like, well, do you want to invite Michelle? And they're like, well, no, because, you know, it wasn't, we just want to do this, whatever they told him. You could tell that that was his, they, the justification that they gave him. He was repeating it to me to try and, you know, soften the blow a little bit because he clearly could tell, like I could tell by the tone of his voice, he knew it was messed up. That to me is really obvious that um, they do not consider me family. In the beginning, I was that fresh, cute, adorable little puppy that they rescued, in quotes, and felt really good about themselves and enjoyed telling everybody else the stories about how they rescued the little puppy. And we took her to our, our family reunion and we treated her so nice and, and we did all this stuff for her and treated her so good. And well, now she's not so fun and she's not as exciting and damn it, she's still here. Now what? I think they're just all of the, the fresh, exciting, endorphin-inducing feelings and emotions and all of the things that were fun in the beginning are now just like any other relationship. It's work and they don't want to do it. They don't want to be a part of it. And 
I get that maybe there are things that I could have done differently. Like maybe I'm not as good at being family or fitting it. Maybe I didn't fit in the way that they thought I should. But the truth is, I was one person trying to get to know everyone. It was extremely overwhelming. And I didn't have a lot of practice. I didn't have a lot, like they family different than I familyed. And I get that. And I get that they probably wanted me to act the way they act and to do the things that they do. And they, um, you know, in the beginning, it was fun for them too, because they got to tell all their crazy family stories and all the places that they've been and things that they've done and it was exciting and and they did that every time i was with them it was literally like they were getting to perform this thing and never ever considering the fact that that in itself was a little hurtful because i missed all that Yes, the cards and all of the stuff in the beginning was so thoughtful and so sweet. And I was really hopeful, but I just, I feel like that Christmas puppy. I feel like I, you know, the, the newness were off. The, the, the good feelings that she got from rescuing this puppy were off. And I, I just wasn't who she wanted me to be. And now I'm, I'm, I'm not cutting them out of my life, but I am not making effort anymore. So the bottom line is, it's complicated. It's not it, like I don't think they hate me and wish I would go away. Um, I don't think. I I, I don't I. I like to believe that nobody regrets knowing about me. Um, but I also don't feel the way I wanted to feel. I don't feel completely loved and accepted. I don't feel like they consider me, I think maybe they consider me a distant family, which is probably okay. Um, it's just not, I, I think it's harder because it didn't start that way. Had it started that way, like had they treated me like a second cousin in the beginning, um, I think it would have been healthier. I think it would have been better. Like, uh, the, I think my relationship with my dad would be the same either way. Um, I thankfully, I feel like that's separate from the rest of them. It's the siblings that is so murky and complicated. Yes, some hurtful things have been said and done, but would it have been as hurtful if in the beginning they hadn't included me so much? Because I live across the country. We didn't grow up together. They didn't find out about me until they were in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, is it, you know, like, it sucks. It hurts my feelings. Um, I do think, you know, that they 
I've done a lot of talking behind my back and a little passive aggressive stuff, but also it's just complicated. I don't, I don't think they intend to hurt my feelings. I think they're just don't want to include me all the time. And I get it a little bit, but it still hurts. It still hurts. Yeah. It just sucks because, you know, it started off so intense and they were all very, you know, excited and inclusive. And even though they had some mixed feelings, they were really, really kind, really, really kind. And, and now it's a lot of cold shoulder. Like it's, you know, I'm getting ghosted by my own family. I wish it was a way to put it in a box and just be like, okay, now I'm done with them. But it, you can't, it's, it's sticky and weird and hard to navigate. And there's no textbook. I'm, I'm, I'm all about being self-aware and self-improvement and growth. And it sounds like it, like you don't sound like you're being a victim. And, and I, I would love to, like, I've really toyed with writing a letter and explaining my feelings and asking them. I've thought about sending a text and being like, hey, look, this is how I'm feeling. Um, how, how would you like to proceed? Like, I would love to hear your feelings and your point of view. And uh, like, even, you know, even if it hurts, I would like to know how this makes you feel. And, and, you know, I would, and maybe, and then find out from them how they want to proceed. Thanks to Michelle and Jackie for sharing with us today. I just want to say to my four new sisters who sometimes listen to this podcast, this episode has nothing to do with our situation. But I guess it does in the sense that I don't want this to happen to us. I feel like I'm part of your family, and I'd like it to stay that way. But then again, so did Michelle and Jackie. But... I also want to say, on a positive note, that I reached out to Corey Goodrich, author of Folk Song, and who helped me write the um, Hey Dad MPE song. I reached out to her about this and see if she's still close to her brother that she met when she found out she was an MPE. So she's five and a half years in, and she said, yes, they're still close. It isn't as intense as it was, but it's more like a normal brother and sister. You know, I have to say, that sounds pretty wonderful to me. I'd be quite happy with that. And I'd like to thank Billy Sullivan of Sully Stone Music for all the music on today's episode. Hasn't it been amazing? If you're looking for music for your podcast or whatever, go to sullystone.com. Missing Pieces MPE Life was written, produced, and edited by me, Don Anderson. Please share this podcast with a friend. And also, if you could rate us, follow us, that would be amazing. Thank you so much for everyone who's left reviews. I love, love, love hearing from you guys. Thank you. <laughs>